Welcome to the Customer Experience Management Podcast, hosted by Anders Gustafsson and Carlos Velasco. In this episode, Carlos interviews Dr. Felipe Reynoso Carvalho about his work on managing sound and noise in customer experiences. Welcome everyone to the Customer Experience Management Podcast. Uh, today I am in uh, Bogota, Colombia uh, with a very special guest. Um, as many of you know, I'm currently in my sabbatical, uh, or maybe some of you know, I guess. I'm in my sabbatical, so I'm moving quite a bit. And in this opportunity, I have the chance to have a very good friend and colleague, uh, Felipe Reynoso. Uh, he is an associate professor at Universidad de los Andes in Bogotá. And he has some very, very exciting research uh, on multisensory experiences, the influence of sound on experiences, and, well, many other things that he will tell you about. Uh, well, Felipe, welcome to the podcast. I'm very happy to have you here. Uh, maybe please tell us a little bit more about yourself. Hey, Carlos. Hey, everybody. I'm so happy to be here. Um, well, my name is Felipe, as Carlos said. Um, at the moment, I am a professor in marketing at Universidad de los Andes here in Bogota, actually the university where Carlos uh, pursued his undergrad in psychology. Exactly. Um, Carlos has been a part of my life, I guess, at different steps because before I started to work with multisensory uh, perception and those type of, of topics, I used to work a lot with sound. So um, I started my, my career with an undergrad in sound engineer. After that, I worked for several years in um, with sound production, sound design for uh, advertising and movies. Then I got a master's degree in acoustics. And then uh, I got an invitation uh, to pursue a PhD. And by then, I actually had uh, the pleasure to, to discover the research of, of Carlos and uh, Professor Charles Spence, who are uh, references in topics related to multisensory perception. And then I was able to, to kind of, of capitalize my entire knowledge in the universe of sound in the context of multisensory experiences. And here we are today, luckily, uh, working together and thinking about the future of customer experiences through the senses. <clears throat> through the senses. So we actually have some very exciting projects that we have been discussing on which uh, will not be a topic of this, this podcast, but hopefully in the future when we have some findings, we can share them with the audience as well. Um, so Felipe, you, you, you have been working quite a lot with sound and you have some very, very exciting uh, research on that. And also, you know, very interesting industry collaborations. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that? You know, what are some exciting research projects and industry projects that you have uh, conducted in, in the past years? Definitely, definitely. Um, well, basically, when I when I uh, started this type of research, I was looking for um, I was looking for, let's say, to understand how uh, sound can be created or, or or characterized in order to have an effect on on people's uh, perception, and especially in the context of, of you know of food and drinks. And once I started to publish. Uh, the findings that I was developing through my research, I was lucky enough that part of this research actually got into the press, you know, we got some coverage from, from The Guardian, from The Washington Post, this, this crazy top-notch, uh, you know, press, sources of, of press. And uh, by then, I realized that what I was doing as part of my research was marketing. 
I didn't know that by then because I, I never uh, pursued uh, anything relate, directly related to management or marketing. And by and let's say that we're talking 2016 or 17. Um, and at that moment, I started to, to receive calls from companies, specifically Belgium companies, because I did my PhD in Belgium, that they were curious about these ideas. Man, what are you doing? Uh, Tell us a bit more about this research, you know, about sound and, and chocolate I was doing, you know, the, the beginning of my research was assessing the effect of, of, of sound and music in the tasting perception of chocolate. So, so imagine that for a second, <clears throat> this is research that is basically trying to see how sound in a way is a sort of ingredient in the experience of the chocolate itself, right? Exactly. So Maybe to expand a little bit on that before going to the industry. So, what what did, have you found? Well, first I found the name of the topic. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, the, 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 there was a there was a concept behind this topic, which is sonic seasoning, mm -hmm. which is you now the idea of of, of using sound uh, as an extra seasoning in the mm -hmm. pro, in the creative process of, of gastronomy and culinary, um, and that was already interesting enough. But basically, is this idea to you know that that sound and, and let's think of music, for instance, musicians and, and music producers, sound producers, they use specific parameters from the universe of sound to create music. Let's think of a few, uh, you know, uh, the timbre of an instrument, uh, different frequency ranges, different ways of building harmonies, different ways of creating consonance or dissonance. These are, are, are technical information that musicians use to create music. So basically our research is, okay, how these parameters, how these parameters that are used to create music, uh, the brain tends to associate congruently with parameters from the universe of, of taste and flavors, let's say. So how uh, different frequency ranges, they, they, they tend to be associated with sweetness or bitterness, or how different uh, timbres of instruments, they, they create these associations as well. That is super, super, super exciting. And I guess we, we all have had this sort of experience of, I don't know, maybe eating a meal in a restaurant and then just perhaps feeling that there is something that is not right. And then we hear the music and it's just pretty much the music, <laughs> right? <laughs> yes. Or the background stuff. Yes. I remember being in this, in this um, Chinese restaurant recently and the background music was this, this very intense trance techno music. Wow. And I was like, you know, they were trying to sell like this very authentic Chinese uh, uh, experience. So it didn't really make sense both for the concept and then for the flavor, I felt that it was kind of like taking my attention away from the, <laughs> the experience. Uh, I mean, just to give kind of like a like a broad, broad general example, but but it's quite interesting that just again think of that is like specific musical parameters or sound parameters more broadly that might actually affect the way in which we taste, the way in which we experience foods and beverages. Yeah, and most people uh, maybe the, the the easiest way to understand this is is about the genre itself. No, so. <laughs> I'm in a Chinese restaurant, I'm going to listen to Chinese music. I'm into a Colombian restaurant, I'm going to listen to reggaeton. Mm -hmm. Actually, in Colombia, there is something with reggaeton because anywhere you go, people are playing reggaeton. <laughs> which, yeah, it's a bit tiring <laughs> at one point. But this is usually, I would say, the first thing that people would think about this type of research. We, we try to go much further, right? We try mm -hmm. to understand, to disentangle even further these parameters from the universe of sound and how can we, uh, you know, how can we build or rethink music and experiences in general uh, by finding these these combinations, these associations? So this is what I find interesting, 
And when companies started to approach me and, and, and I explained to them this process, uh, they got super curious. So the first company I was, I was trying to remember right now, the first consultancy that I did, the first company that I worked with actually was Bang & Olufsen. Uh, you know, this for, for those that are not so, so aware of this brand, this is a brand, hi-fi brand of, of, of audio and, and TVs and these things, super expensive, super exclusive. And, and they were trying to find an innovative and disruptive way to call the attention to their customers. They, they don't have a lot of customers, but their customers are super exclusive and it's the type of customer that you can't just sit them in front of the speakers, put play on a song and put the volume on top. This is already not their, the way that they decide because we're talking about speakers that cost tens of thousands of euros. Mm-hmm. So how can you do to, you know, to, to persuade these people to think about this investment? Let's say, or I buy a new car or I buy a work of art or I buy a pair of speakers. Mm-hmm. So based on this, on these uh, conversations that we had, they were saying, okay, so let's, let's think on a way to communicate to them the importance of sound quality in their lives. This is where we started to, we created actually a, an experience where they came and we, I worked uh, with a chef, a famous chef in Belgium, and we created a multi-sensory menu where uh, each time they tasted a different part of the menu, they had an interaction with different products from the brand. So they were comparing, you know, the quality of listening to, to this sound and eating this food with the brand versus without the brand. And this is how we create a very successful actual experience because uh, we stopped actually because I left Belgium, mm-hmm. but uh, we, we did several of these experiences with them and they said they were very happy with, with this idea and it was very successful because they told me at one point, okay, maybe we're spending between five and $10,000 in one of these events. If I sell one speaker in each of these events, I oh. paid off. Mm-hmm. So that was the first very interesting experience, you know, that we managed to, to, to design based on this type of knowledge. That sounds so super interesting. Actually, if I think I actually, that that was covered, right? Somehow in the, in the, in the news, because I remember seeing something about it. Yeah, yeah, probably. I just didn't know that it was you, <laughs> but now I know. Well, well, I, well because after living in Belgium, uh, I accepted the job that I have until today. I came to, to Colombia to teach and I'm very happy here, but unfortunately the, um, these type of brands, they do not have enough clients in Latin America because our, our, you know, our power purchase is not so high. So we didn't continue to do these events here. But probably if I stayed in Europe, these events would, would have escalated beyond the Benelux, beyond Belgium and the Netherlands. But, yeah. but you know, I guess lucky for the South Americans, now that you're here, many new projects have come and happened uh, with all sorts of product categories, right? If I remember correctly, you have been working with coffee companies. You have been working with some uh, alcoholic beverages as well, right? So what was perhaps another example of a project that you have done here recently? Well, after this project, uh, um, there were a couple of more in Europe that if you want, we can come back to this after. Uh, but here in Colombia, one of the most interesting projects I, I, I participated recently was a project with Café de Colombia, which is a coffee brand um, well, most people know Café de Colombia by uh, Juan Valdez. Juan Valdez is one of the most renowned uh, coffee brands, I would say, in the world even. But there is a main company that owns this brand, which is Café de Colombia, which is the cooperative uh, of 
all coffee producers of Colombia. Like the parent brand, let's say. Or, or yes. So this brand, Café de Colombia, was having their 60th anniversary, like two years ago, and they wanted to do something uh, for the international market, and especially for young consumers of high-income countries. This is what they wanted. This is how they wanted to celebrate this 60 years anniversary. This is one of the things that they wanted to do, I guess, a bit mm. more. So um, they found me. They realized that there was this, this, this crazy researcher doing, you know, uh, research with music and, and taste and flavor. And um, and they their call to action in this, in this campaign was coffee beyond taste. This is what they wanted to communicate. For a young generation, young, sophisticated, highly educated generation, and for them it was perfect, you know, let's do it through music. Let's use music in order to take Colombian coffee beyond taste. So this was a very interesting project because I told them about the potential of this research. And then we started to do a research process where we got some of their expert uh, baristas mm -hmm. to tell me what were the main characteristics of <clears throat> Colombian's coffee flavor. You know, so then we got the, the main, uh, main flavor notes and using the scientific knowledge that we developed, that you also developed, Carlos, yeah. we uh, produced music with one of the most important uh, music producers of Colombia. His name is Niki de Narvaez, very nice guy, very curious about this research as well. And we created this digital campaign. We created this digital campaign based on this song that was kind of a medley type of song yeah. that each part of the song was built to enhance specific notes of coffee flavor and actually they got so uh, excited about the project that they uh, they hired a movie as director from the u.s that was super alternative this crazy guy doing super lethargic things and and they wanted me to tell this guy how could how uh, could we also synchronize the image of the video in order to be congruent with the medley of the song. So the oh, wow. video was built based on the song, mm. you know. Uh, no, super cool, super cool. It's like a two minutes uh, digital campaign. Uh, apparently it has more than 1.5 million views. And um, and and we, we wanted to go even further. We wanted, I, I know that they went, they tried to, to, to go to Cannes and these uh, advertising festivals, but we were missing something of uh, social impact mm. in the campaign. We, we were not able to build like like a, you know like this like a story with with social impact behind this campaign and, and I think this is why it didn't move further because in terms of of the um, of the rationale behind the campaign and the science and the technology was okay but you know you missed a bit like the social impact yeah yeah but the social impact via the storytelling was something missing because this this big international advertising festivals they are always looking for you know what is the impact of mm -hmm. your campaign you know. We didn't get there yet. Okay. Yeah. I like the <laughs> yet. Yes. <laughs> that sounds uh, like a very interesting project. And, you know, like probably many of you know that Colombia is, uh, uh, coffee in Colombia is a very big deal, right? And and for that reason, the, the, the impact of the project itself, uh, it's kind of like even more meaningful that you consider, you know, another country perhaps. Um, but, okay. So in much of your research, Felipe, you have, uh, you know, work on sound influences on food and beverage perception, you know, and, 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 and you know, the taste, flavor, perhaps aromas and stuff like that. But 
I guess from your work and from what I've read in your work as well, <clears throat> it is clear that the role of sound, sound does this broad kind of like element of experiences is, is kind of like broader, you know, in, in customer experiences. So, I mean, I guess we can have like a full podcast about this and we still haven't got to the main topic of today, which is noise, but I will tell, uh, do a little introduction about it in a moment. But if you could say broadly speaking, what is the role of sound in customer experiences? This is a very uh, interesting and I would say profound uh, question. And one of the things that I always try to, to tell my students or to teach my students when we are talking about the senses and when, when we start talking about sound, I always teach them the concept of soundscape. Because mm. most people, they think about, when, when, you, when you talk about sound, they think immediately about music. Music is, I would say, is one instance. element, yeah. one instance or one um, track of a, a soundscape. Because a soundscape, which is uh, basically what we hear in our lives, you know, has a lot of, of layers. So you have the layer of, of uh, noise, you know, like the noise that surrounds you, urban noise, for instance. You have also sounds that may not be so noisy, such as the sounds of nature. You have the, uh, the sounds of, of, of conversations, language, voiceover sounds. Uh, and you have the music. music. The music is perhaps the one that comes and goes more often. All the others are there. They're all the time. Like is, I don't know if we're yeah. listening now, the sound of my dog here is scratching. Yeah, <laughs> that, that, but it's, it's quite intriguing, right? Because it's rare that we're in full silence, right? I would say. Well, conceptually speaking, theoretically speaking, there's no such thing as, as, as a complete silence. It's like, it's like there's no such thing as zero degrees temperature. Exactly. Okay? It means full emptiness. But culturally speaking, let's say, let's do a comparison of, of the, the role of, of noise in across different cultures. For instance, I would say that Latin Americans, they are much more tolerant to noise comparing to Europeans, you know, in Europe. And, and that's probably because also of uh, thermal insulation. But, you know, in Europe, if you enter a house, it's, they are so well insulated that people, they are used to live in very quiet environments. In Latin America, I wouldn't say that's so true because here uh, people are very noisy and very loud by default. Uh, construction, they do not have uh, so proper insulation because of the weather, it's a mild weather. So people, they are constantly living under uh, the effect of noise. Uh, you told me that you recently you, you've been to India, right? Yeah. So India, I've heard it is a place, that not only people are super noisy, but you know, uh, when uh, mothers from Western cultures, they, they, you know, they give birth to their babies, usually what they do is that they try to get their baby into very silent environments and to have their babies quiet and get used to silent environments. Apparently, in India, it's the opposite. They take babies and they put them in very noisy and uncomfortable environments in order to babies to get used to that because this is the reality they are going to live. In the that, is, that is quite interesting. But yeah, and you're, you're, I guess you're pointing to something which is the, the rel relativeness, you know, of the, the experience that a soundscape might have, you know, on you depending on your reference point. Exactly. Because I was quite shocked telling Felipe that, you know, I went to India and it felt super noisy uh, for, for my Latin American standards. And then I came, to Colombia, and I came to Colombia, which is much quieter than Norway, where I'm based. And yet Colombia felt super quiet relative to India. But then I go back to Norway and I feel that I'm pure, pure silence, basically. Exactly. <laughs> so it's like this kind of like contrasting yeah. 
which I guess connecting it to, to my question, what is the, the, the broad aim or, or the broad role of sound in customer experiences? Would, would you agree with me that it's somehow, it has this ability to create a sort of atmosphere with specific meanings, you know, and sort of like, uh, yeah, identities, I guess, that would kind of like color anything that is happening at, at a given moment. Yes, exactly. And I think once again, the concept of sonic seasoning uh, becomes pretty much alive when we are talking about the experience of a customer, not only related to food, like mm. seasoning in general, right? Sound can guide your attention. Sound can guide your mood. Sound can, can do so many things, can change your speed, you know, thinking of acting. So yes, definitely uh, designing soundscapes for, for customer experiences, they're crucial. Mm -hmm. They're more crucial than ever. And if we think about, you know, this transition towards uh, digital reality and virtual reality, uh, sound becomes again uh, something that we can customize from scratch. You know? mm -hmm. Because in the digital world, you can create everything from zero. And I, I would say that it's the next frontier. You know? How are we going to design soundscapes for, for the, a completely and fully digital environment. Like immersive. Yeah, completely immersive. So yeah, I think the role of sound is, uh, it has to do with, with many dimensions, emotional dimensions, perceptual dimensions, attentional dimensions. And, um, and yeah, a lot of things. And, and coming back to the universe of noise, you know, because that's also, uh, that, that's something that we're going to talk about today a mm -hmm. lot. Um, even if noise is relative, uh, on uh, depending on where are you uh, situated or which country you have been educated, noise is always going to be there, mm. and, and and noise can if it is unwanted noise, if it is unwanted sound, it can of course uh, kill an experience. It can destroy an experience. Mm. So I would say it's not only important to control the music that you want, but it's also important to control the level of noise that you might want to be part of customer experience which is quite interesting because um, i guess we have been naturally <clears throat> diving into the topic of today which is you know the role of noise in customer experiences and in particular we're going to be talk talking about a, a, an article that felipe published recently with you which i had the, the <laughs> pleasure to collaborate with. <laughs> um, and it's the idea of you know like i guess there are certain industries in which they need to, to think about noise i can think for example of vacuum cleaners you know this is a, this has been a topic for a while in vacuum cleaners that they're so noisy that you know it's like people are thinking how can we actually change the, the the noise but then they remove the noise and then people feel that they're like less effective you know so you have like this uh, sort of ironies in, in in that context but but there are many industries in which perhaps noise is not like the most important element to, to think of yet as you say, noise is pervasive, right? It's basically part of many of our experiences. So before we actually go into the paper, what is your take on that? Like, what, what does role noise play? Is it something that is good? Is it bad? Can we use it for good or for bad? I don't know. What's, broadly speaking, your, your take on noise? I think noise is, uh, as you said, is always there. I would say the challenge is to uh, level it, manage it. And for instance, we are going to talk about coffee, right? The experience mm -hmm. that the, the paper is about coffee. So when I think of noise and coffee, the first thing that I think of is the noise of a coffee machine. Mm -hmm. It's a noise that needs to be there, but maybe it has to be there in a one specific moment for one specific, to trigger specific sensations on the customer 
in order, for instance, to condition the customer for something that comes up. But maybe it's not something that uh, should be there all the time. So I think noise, it's, uh, it's inevitable, mm -hmm. but it should be managed. And I love that you're saying that it's, it's, it's not about, you know, uh, you know, not thinking about it or thinking too much about it in terms of whether, uh, or how much should it, I mean, I guess what I'm trying to say is I love the fact that you're putting the emphasis on the word managing, right? Because it's something that people need to think of and manage appropriately, I guess, assuming a given aim that they have for the experience that they want their customers to have, right? Exactly. And let's think of, a, I don't know if it's the, the moment now to think about it, but uh, if we are talking about, uh, you know, social experiences like drinking a coffee in a coffee shop, uh, well, noise perhaps is it's a positive part of the experience because you are having a social experience. So how can you have a social experience without the noise of people talking? You know, uh, some background music being there. Um, maybe the brand of this specific coffee shop has put a lot of thought on the music. Maybe they did it right. They did a lot of thought. They, they hired us, Carlos, mm. and we did the sonic seasoning for them. You know, how are you going to lose that? Mm. But maybe... At one point, you want to have a more introspective experience. Mm -hmm. So uh, this, I think, is where, where things become interesting, is that today we have a lot of gadgets that, that can help us, that can put us in one specific position or not. And I'm talking about uh, headphones. Mm -hmm. So headphones also become something that brands should use in their advantage. So the client can be with their headphones to have a more intimate type of experience or without the headphones to have a more social and more. That is quite interesting. I guess uh, an example that comes to mind is certain airlines, right? Giving you noise cancelling headphones so that perhaps you can focus better. Well, you can see, of course, a lot of people also using noise cancelling headphones while flying because the massive sound of, of, the, of, the, of the plane and the engine, uh, of course, you know, it's, it might just not allow you to focus on perhaps the movie that you're watching or the food that you're eating or stuff like that. Yeah. But I don't know if you realize recently that uh, newer planes they're they're having they're being much more effective in, in, in managing the cabin. Oh, wow. Wolf. Yeah. I don't know if you realize that. I but cab, you know, like this these uh, newer uh, airplanes, like uh, I don't know the Boeing seven eight seven or uh, I don't know Airbus. These super new planes, they're not so noisy anymore. That is interesting. I the guess cabin it, is not so noisy anymore. Yeah, no, I guess that would make sense. And, and, and the, the, the parallel that I can think is in the car industry, right? Like if you drive a car 20 years ago, it's yes. you feel much more the sound of the outside. Now they're more compact, right? And, and good at, I guess, managing that specific uh, noise. Yeah, and then we entered in, we enter into the entire field of acoustics, which is a super technological field and where acoustics uh, insulation is something that perhaps in Germany, they talk a lot about it because Germans are obsessed with that. Uh, and in Europe in general, but uh, in Latin America, acoustics is still not uh, such mm -hmm. a trendy topic. But yeah, we have acoustics everywhere. And mm -hmm. acoustic treatment is also something that I think this type of research should call the attention to the different stakeholders. Mm -hmm. like, how are you going to invest um, millions to have the best restaurant in the world and you're not going to invest in acoustic insulation? Mm -hmm. We still have those cases. Yeah. So I think these type of studies where we assess the effect of noise 
in, in flavor perception, they should call the attention towards those type of effects, you know. If you want to have the best wrestling in the world, please think about the acoustics, think about the, the noise, think about the music. That makes absolute sense, and yeah, I wouldn't agree more with it. Um, uh, okay, so let's talk about the paper. So this paper that uh, you recently led us through, and, and, I, and I had the pleasure to co-author with you, is called The Effects of Noise Control in Coffee Tasting Experiences. So broadly speaking, as, as you, you have been already introducing this, this uh, article is about, you know, coffee. Uh, but and by, then, and by the way, we're drinking Colombian coffee as we speak. Yeah. <laughs> Probably, maybe you maybe you heard the purring sound. <laughs> yes. Um, so, what 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 was this article about? I mean, where did because I, you know I remember that you you contacted me and, and then you, you invited me to. This, uh, I thought it was a super exciting uh, uh, collaboration. Where did the idea come from? And you know, like what, what, how did you think about this? Yeah, the motivation was very simple. Actually, uh, the other co-author that joined us here. Name is uh, Luis. He is an Ecuadorian researcher. He used to work at Universidad de las Americas, which is a university in Ecuador, not so known, but they do have a very strong uh, team of sound engineers and acoustics engineers. I would say it's one of the strong, or it used to be one of the stronger team, strongest teams of acousticians in Latin America. Mm. Um, and uh, since I come with this background of sound and, and acoustics, we were always discussing opportunities to, to, to collaborate together. And he's an expert on urban noise. Mm. So we were talking, uh, I think at one point of, of, of brainstorming, we came into this, you know, into this idea of, okay, so, so Felipe, you work a lot about, uh, with music. Uh, let's, let's work with noise. Let's see the effect of noise in this, uh, you know, in the, in the tasting experience. And the next step was, of course, to work with coffee because Coffee is a very important commodity in Colombia, but also in different Latin American countries and in Ecuador as well. Mm. Ecuador is a country that is betting on, on, you know, gourmet coffee, coffee of high quality. And actually the coffee bean, the Ecuadorian coffee bean is becoming more and more famous for its quality. So uh, this is how we combine and this is how we arrive into the, you know, the, the big research question. Okay, what is the effect of, of noise in the tasting experience of coffee. But then we, when we were thinking about an experiment, and you know, usually scientific experiments, they should have some kind of comparison or validation, right? Mm -hmm. um, so, okay, what are we going to assess? Uh, noise versus silent? No, that doesn't, that doesn't seem very realistic, you mm -hmm. know? What seems more realistic is how can we compare noise versus controlling this noise? Yeah. This is how we came to the idea of... Which is, in, in a way, it goes back to the concept of managing it, right? Yes, yeah. exactly. And this is how we started to brainstorm and say, okay, but most people nowadays, they're always going around with... And, and actually, it was the, the time that, that uh, you know, the AirPods appear, those mm -hmm. have those uh, earphones of, of earbuds of Apple. Yeah. And from, you know, from one day to another, people started to walk with their earbuds everywhere. They don't mm -hmm. even take them out. We say, okay, what is the effect of that? People now they're they're starting to to leave with their earbuds all the time. So let's let's use this as baseline for comparison. Compare people without wearing headphones versus people using headphones and different types of headphones because mm -hmm. we have two main categories of, of 
canceling noise via headphones, which is a more passive one, not just big earphones covering the ears. But now we have a more technological one, which is active noise canceling. It has a, a electronics behind it. And actually, the way that this technology, these different technologies of, of noise uh, canceling work, they're actually completely different in the way that they attenuate noise. Mm. So we did a comparison across three different conditions. Okay. Let's compare the, the tasting experience of a person without headphones, with normal headphones, without active noise cancelling, without te further technology, and with active noise cancelling technology. Mm. And this is how we get the, we got the, the baseline for the study. That is super interesting, and I guess it's, it becomes <clears throat> very relevant for the same reason that you that you were mentioning, like. Uh, you know, headphones are also kind of ubiquitous, right? Like many people wear headphones for multiple reasons, for having phone calls, you know, for just watching TV, you know, or just basically doing general things that require some sort of interaction with sound. Um, and the other aspect that is kind of like very frequent, which you were saying is like the, the coffee drinking experience, right? It's like, a, I guess, many of our listeners, even, you know, like Norway is one of the highest drinking uh, coffee drinking countries per capita in the planet. So that means that, you know, coffee is like a, an everyday life experience that might be affected by what we listen, right? So the way noise comes into this experience might modulate. So what, what, what were the findings from this research? Um, well, what we found was uh, that there is an important uh, difference between uh, tasting the same coffee with versus without any type of noise cancelling. Okay. This was an important finding. Like I remember that uh, we did the first uh, analysis of the data, and I remember the results were so strong from one part of the data that we didn't even move further with the statistics. We just did descriptive. I don't know if you remember. Mm -hmm. More than half of the people they uh, they agreed. This is this is a lot mm -hmm. that uh, coffee was uh, tasting less bitter, was tasting less uh, sugary, was tasting with less intensity in general than uh, while they were under the effect of the loud background noise, the normal background noise, mm -hmm. the usual background noise, compared to any type of noise cancelling. So we didn't have a difference between the types of headphones being applied. Even though uh, what was interesting for me to compare two different types of headphones is that when you're using headphones without active noise cancelling, they're very good to cancel high frequencies. Okay, if you put the normal headphones, you are usually not listening to high frequencies, but still listen most of the low frequencies. And that's completely the opposite when you're using active noise cancelling type of headphones. Which they are very good for cancelling low frequencies. So the ideal headphone is the one that has both technologies. It's a big headphone with active noise cancelling. Okay, over-ear headphone with active noise cancelling, which we didn't try in that experiment in particular. Because we wanted to understand the, the contrast of, of, of frequency ranges, mm -hmm. but we didn't get any difference in comparing those two. But we did get a lot of difference, a very strong difference, uh, comparing the original background noise, which was a, a kind of an urban type of background noise, you know, a very loud avenue, um, versus using headphones, each type of headphones. So yeah, it was crazy because basically what people was, was reporting is that the coffee was worse in every sense. And they were even willing to pay significantly more for the same coffee just because they were using headphones. 
that is quite interesting and, and, and also a very practical application there, right? And the coffee was very good, by the way. It was a good okay. coffee from a high-end brand. It's, mm-hmm. um, I think the name is Galeto, I don't remember. It's an Ecuadorian brand of coffee, very good brand. They came and prepared the coffee for us mm-hmm. during every experimental day. So it was super controlled, high-end type of coffee. Mm-hmm. And with the noise, the, that high-end experience was basically lost. And this is, this is what uh, we were saying before, right? So imagine that you are a brand, you know, that you have put a lot of effort in order to make this super high-end uh, uh, type of food or drink or whatever you're selling, and you forgot to think about the sound environment that you're offering to your clients while they are experiencing it. You can lose the experience. Which is quite interesting because when you think about sensory sensory and consumer uh, research, you know, there are certain companies that when they do like the, the tasting of their products before launch, they do it with expert panels, you know, panels that are experts in sort of like discriminating between subtleties of flavors and stuff like that. But they typically do these tests in relatively sound control, control areas, right? And one of the reasons why they do this probably is because of what you're saying, because, you know, sound can have this additional effect, like noise can have this additional effect that might just simply not get you the clean uh, perception or, or description of whatever food or beverage you're, you're testing. Yeah, definitely. How, how would you explain these results? And I guess this is, this is a question that is, that is uh, you know, I'm researching anyways, but, but how would you explain Results. Yeah, I remember we were having this, this discussion um, while we were dis- while we were reflecting on the on the on the results. And even though I'm not an expert in neuroscience or anything, I believe that noise, as in any type of noise, you know, like visual noise, auditory noise, whatever type of noise that we can get through our senses, basically it steals your attention. Like you know, um, this strong and unwanted noise that may be entering through your ears, they might be uh, stealing uh, the ability of your brain to concentrate and process another experience that you may be having at that moment. This is what mm-hmm. I think that may be happening, you know? It's like if you're giving something to your brain that is creating some kind of a problem and your brain needs to solve that mm-hmm. before actually concentrating in the experience that you really want to give to, to your client, let's mm-hmm. say. So, yeah, I think it's kind of a... a, a which, may, which makes sense from a practical perspective as well for what you're saying, right? Like you, you might design like this perfect drink, you know, all the perfect properties, but then if you have other stimulation around you, you cannot really properly focus on it, right? Yes. And noise might be one of those instances that just draws your attention to a different place. Yeah, and, and you, you probably know better than me as a psychologist, you're a pure psychologist, mm-hmm. uh, that the brain is kind of a... Uh, it's a kind of a problem solver, right? Mm-hmm. So it will always try to solve a problem if you show the problem to the brain. Mm-hmm. So yeah, if you give the brain like this super noisy and un- unexpected type of, of, of environment, well, the brain is going to focus on that. Mm-hmm. And not necessarily on, on, on perhaps a more delicate type of experience. That makes makes absolute sense. And I guess, you know, like you have been implying the, the, the sort of uh, implications that these, these have for the industry. But if you can tell us in one or two sentences, you know, what, how can companies use these findings? Well, I think companies can use these findings in so many ways. First, I think companies can use this in order to, um, yeah, let's say, I, I think companies can use this. Let's say, for instance, that you are a big, big company, retail company. Mm-hmm. And that you need to have a lot of, um, of stores around the planet 
So I think this is uh, an example of how important it is to parameterize. Yeah. Uh, so to create, so create parameters also for the acoustic environment of your, of your you know, of the experience that you want to show to your to your clients. I think this could could be an application. Um, uh, another application is about, uh, I guess, quality. You know, it's a quality indicator. But also, I was now that you were talking, I, I thought about another um, application, which is yes, let's Im and actually it it comes as a contradiction, perhaps. He says. Okay, so I want to do a sensory analysis of, 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 of my products, and then I have this super special panel that is going to test this in a very quiet environment. So I wonder how realistic this is in practice. Mm. So maybe also this can, can be like a kind of a ecological validity test that also companies can subject their products to, you know? Okay, so I do, like, yeah. Yeah, I do like a super quality and control test of my product here. Okay. But perhaps one last step is okay. Let's test our product in a more realistic scene. Whatever the consumer is, you know, including the noise, yeah, including the ambient noise. How, um, how, um, resistant or how sensitive it is the experience of my product to noise, to ambient noise, to background noise. That sounds uh, uh, just yeah, very, very, very relevant, you know, because then it would give a, again, well, as you said, like an annual test for the let's say ecological validity of the results, and a more realistic perhaps way of how will the act the the actual the product will actually feel like, you know, in the context where this additional ingredient is part of. Yeah, and I and also this also perhaps taking it to a more scientific level, I am a bit uh, I don't know if against, but I but I'm not so. Um, positive about the super controlled environments for doing experiments mm -hmm. and I, and one of the reasons is exactly because of that because they are not realistic at all mm -hmm. like you um like you take you know you 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 want to conduct a behavioral experiment with people and, and perhaps one of the of the ways to really understand the the feasibility of, of the phenomena that you're trying to observe is not to be so um so clean mm -hmm. in the process course controlled but uh, you know sample people in in places that are you know more realistic uh, consider those those uh, environmental aspects that we already know that they can have a huge effect on on people's experience on the customers experience i guess in particular if you want to have like very uh, practical implications right yes. because it's like you know the world is complex so yes. you that the world is noisy the world is noisy <laughs> exactly <laughs> Um, I was going to ask you a question, but I think you have already answered. But I'm going to put it there just in case you, you want to say something else about it, which is, you know, uh, so the question was, are there any contexts in which noise might be desirable or strategically used? And I guess you mentioned earlier in the conversation this example of, you know, sometimes you go to drink a coffee in the cafe of your neighborhood and you're socially with your friends. And then there is a little bit of background noise, you know, that is kind of like a, it's part of the identity of the experience, if you like, right? I guess that could be one example of, of that. But is there any other example or, or, or situation which you think that noise might be strategically used? Yeah, I actually, the example that I can think of immediately is this idea, okay, I want to put it a social context in an experience. Then noise may be a solution. Mm -hmm. you know, noise may be a, 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 a cue that can help add this social 
uh, aspect to or social mood to an experience. I think this is the the principal application that I that I find. Also, this uh, quality control that we mentioned. No, okay, so I pass my my product or my service through a noise test. Test, yeah. yes. Yeah. Actually, cars. This is typical, mm-hmm. stereotypical from car companies. You know, do the, the noise test. There is also aerodynamics noise, mm-hmm. and and auditory noise comes as a consequence, similar to thermal thermal insulation, like mm-hmm. acoustic insulation comes hand by hand with thermal insulation. So. So maybe we can think also uh, of noise as as a you know as something that is there that that customers they are they are always uh, under the effect they are subject to noise and uh, and one thing that I haven't seen that maybe we can think of for future research okay to understand you know the the different levels of noise threshold across different cultures That's seems evident but I haven't seen indicators of that. That is quite interesting. And in particular, talking about what we were talking earlier, like which India is, yeah. versus Colombia versus, versus Norway, Norway there's probably five to ten decibels difference there. Yeah. yeah. And I guess thinking from a from a sensation or perception perception point of view, there might be habituation, right? To depending on the level of stimulation that you have from noise, and that yeah. might just change a little bit your threshold. Yeah, and also noise. Um, I think one of the things that we haven't discussed mm-hmm. here yet is uh, different categories of noise. Right? Mm-hmm. You have urban noise. You have machine noise. You have even uh, sexual noises. Yeah, I, I don't know, like how many times I, I have encountered myself with a, with, a, with neighbors mm-hmm. having fun in the middle <laughs> of the night, uh-huh. and this is noise. Yeah. But what type of noise is this, and what this noise can 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 provoke on people in the right way, in in an innovative way. In I don't know. There are so many ways to approach noise. This That's, is just something that I just thought about it right now. That is super interesting because it's kind of like noise, no, noise identity in a way, right? It's like noises with a specific identities, and I guess there is like this. But there is also this sort of concept of, you know, you have white noise, pink noise, uh, all these different kinds of noises that are more fundamental, basic, I guess. Yeah, and and actually, this one I was thinking about that before the, the podcast actually. Um, these type of noises, more conceptual type of noises, white noise, pink noise, they're usually uh, used uh, as part of, of cognitive tests yeah. where they are used as control uh, mm-hmm. conditions. Like you put, like let's say, sound A, sound B, white noise as a control condition for the brain. And it works. It works. Instead of science. <clears throat> it works, but then on the other hand, it has sometimes these unexpected effects. I remember in 2014, I ran this experiment on the influence of music on smell perception. Uh, and one of the, our control was noise, you know, because we were following the literature, right? Yeah. And what we found was actually that the, the consonant and dissonant music that we were using to enhance the sweetness or diminish the sweetness of the smell didn't work, but noise. Noise reduced the sweetness perception of the of the of the aroma, which was quite interesting, you know. So in a way, it's like yes, it's a control, experimental control, but something it might be in a direction that you're like, okay, maybe this is just pointing in a different uh, way, I guess. But anyway, just as a, as a side note, there, um, I have two final questions for you, Felipe. But I guess before I ask this question, this is a good moment to to tell our listeners what is the the best way to get in touch with you. Um, I guess you have the website at the University of Los Andes. You have your personal website. If you can maybe mention that, 
Yes, of course, with pleasure. Uh, thank you very much for, for, for allowing me to, to be here. Uh, it's always nice to talk to you. Um, I have, uh, well, I have my email, which is f.sound at gmail.com. Sorry, f.sound at gmail.com. You can always send me a letter. Um, I have a, an Instagram account that I'm, um, one of the things that are perhaps interesting to say that is one of the things that I'm trying to do in Colombia is to um, communicate a lot of what I do in Spanish. Because, you know, we, most of our lives as researchers, we, we, we are talking in English, we're writing in English. And unfortunately, English is not such an absolute language. And in Latin America, a lot of people don't speak uh, English. So uh, this is why my social networks, I'm, I'm managing them mostly in Spanish. And uh, my Instagram is in Spanish, Percepción y Sentidos which I don't know if our, our <laughs> Anglo-Saxon uh, listeners will, yeah. will understand, but it's basically, yeah, Percepción y Sentido is like perception and senses. I will make sure English. that uh, I will uh, write down in the description of the episode both the website, the link and uh, to his email yeah. and, and also the, the link to the Instagram account. So for anyone that is interested. And another website that I have that, I'm, that, I'm, that I use more on a general way is soniktaste.weebly.com. Uh, I have been lazy and I didn't buy the, the my own name.com. I should do that eventually. <laughs> <laughs> but it's cool because in his website you can see some of these experiences that he's been working with the industry, you know, as well as his papers. So head there uh, again. The link is going to be in the description. You can click there and get an idea of some of the other uh, experiences that he has been working on. Um. All right, so my final two questions, Felipe, for you, and then we can finish there. The first one is, you know, we have been talking about the role of music, the role of noise, the role of sound more broadly, I guess, as a, as a, as a broader category with different parameters. What about silence? You know, I, I was in a, in, a, in a class talking about Sonic Season, and I had this student that was like, you know, it seems to me that there is a sort of like growing interest in people looking for, for silence. Uh, as a concept, you know, it's like kind of like getting away from, and I guess this was in Norway, so probably, you know, it was kind of like embodying this Norwegian uh, love with silent, you know, places and, and stuff like that. But but I wonder if, if what about silence on the counterposition of, of noise? You know, what, what do we have to say about it? Is, is it? How can we use it? Is it important? or Man, I think it's so important, silence. Um... I haven't had the opportunity yet to do research with silence, and I think that should be done. Um, I believe silence is, is intriguing because I think most people, they perhaps when you're alone, you can stay a lot of time silent. You can remain silently if you're alone. But you're in a social context, and you tell people to, to be silent, it's a bit awkward. At least in Latin America, people they can't stay silent for a long time. <laughs> I know that in other cultures they can, but you know, if you are in a, on a table and people are eating, and you know, people don't stay silent for for so long. So, what does that mean in terms of, of perception, in terms of, of experiences? I, I guess silent keep you more attentive. This is like having like a, a, a you know like a if you're silent, if there is silence, there is room for all different types of sound and probably the brain will, will put attention very quickly to a source of sound 
but really, I, I'm, I'm as curious as you about the, the, the role of, of silence in, in people's lives and customers' experiences. And, and I think it's probably very relevant. And I wonder how, because if you go to a shopping mall and you go to have a customer experience, I think silence won't be there. Yeah. But imagine that now most people, they're shopping online. And I think silence is there. Yeah. I think silence is there more often than one might think. Yeah. So that could be something interesting to think about. You know, yeah. What is the role of silence in the digital environment, in e-commerce? That is, that is quite interesting. And also because, you know, I have found some, some research and also I have seen it kind of like more subjectively that when websites include like popping sounds, you know, or moving sounds and stuff like that, when you interact, people get annoyed. Yeah, yeah, it's right? terrible. So it's like if you're clicking your way through the website with sounds, then it becomes super overwhelming, kind of like overloading. Uh, so silence might be an interesting thing to explore there. Right? I wonder why we don't have this sensation of annoying, of being sound being annoying when we are in the physical world. Mm. Maybe because it's our home, mm. because you're having an e-commerce experience in your in your in your own environment and you feel like invaded or perhaps because the sounds are not necessarily uh, natural sounds to our environments right because when we're in offline environments the sounds actually come from objects from things right these ones are invented sounds in many cases and this is why again uh, it's so important the concept of soundscape because the concept of soundscape it right yes like uh, having this this naturalistic way of, of, of providing a soundscape in the digital universe, that's probably one of the main challenges at the moment. How, how can I provide a, a soundscape to my client, for instance, when he or she is navigating through you know, my e-commerce platform without being annoying? And again, why we don't have this sense, probably we have this sense of, a, of, of, of music being annoying when we are in a, in, a, in a physical shopping environment, but it's not so annoying. Mm. Yeah, that is, that is interesting. Well, there is uh, quite a bit of material there to, to reflect on and, and perhaps for us as researchers to explore. So uh, we will continue the discussion offline. <laughs> yeah, and I, ju I just remember uh -huh. the, this, this song of Simon and Garfunkel, right? Yeah, yeah. Of silence. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that is interesting. <laughs> I yeah. don't know why, but I just remembered that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it makes sense. It makes sense conceptually, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay, Felipe, and the final question that I had for you is, is a question that we ask to all of our guests. Um, it's like, you know, we have been talking about many different topics associated with sound. Uh, and, and I guess the question uh, for you specifically would be, what recommendations would you give to our listeners for practice, you know, uh, based on, on the, the stuff that you have been doing? Please, please listen to music, listen to sound, listen to your environments. It's... You know, I, I, there's a very simple exercise that, that I do to my students. Uh, I, I ask them to go and have a walk around the, the university campus to describe the, the soundscape, you know, of, mm. of, the, of the scene that they are describing. And then once they do that, they have to choose a song that would fit this scene. Nice. And when they do this exercise, they don't take it so seriously, but then when they realize that Know, the, the effect that the music can have in, in people's lives and people's experiences, then they understand the, the, you know, the, the power of, of music and sound in our lives. But this is an exercise that we need to practice. So 
please practice it, you know, try to imagine, test different songs in one specific scene, you know, think of customer experiences and test different songs, because then is when you are able to find, you know, the song that, that will fit into mm -hmm. this scene. But this is a, this is an exercise you need to practice a lot. So my invitation is for everybody to listen to a lot of music and to listen to a lot of, to be aware of the importance of sound in our lives. That sounds uh, amazing for two reasons. The first one is because it's a very practical exercise for customer experience managers, I guess. Because, you know, think of the sounds that their customers listen to, you know, and what they might experience better if they listen to, and also on the impact of sound in your life, right? Which is quite dramatic, you know, me being as a very music and sound-oriented person, I, I find it very intriguing how much it affects me, but it's inevitable that it affects all of us. So, Felipe, thank you so much for being uh, in the podcast. This has been very, uh, very interesting and, and I'm, I'm very happy that we had the chance to, to record this podcast. I hope our, all our listeners will uh, enjoy it as well. Remember the description, uh, in the description of the episode, you can find Felipe's contact information, more about his website, his Instagram account. Uh, click on it and check it out. And Felipe, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, man. Looking forward to see you again. Great. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers, everybody.